Welcome to 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness with your host, Dr. Rob Bell. Dr. Rob interviews expert coaches, executives, and athletes about mental toughness and their hinge moments. The hinge. It connects who we are with who we've become, and it only takes one. And now for your host, Dr. Rob. The outcome has to be, man, I'm, I, I spend X amount of dollars a month because this sport is great for my kids' well-being. And the outcome we're going for is that they appreciate the gifts from this sport and they take them into their life and their relationships and their job. Like, that's the outcome. This podcast, 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness, is brought to you by our sponsor, SOS Rehydrate. It's an organic drink mix as effective as an IV drip. It's proven by science and used by elite athletes because only the best will do for elite athletic performance. So for all your hydration needs, our listeners today get 15% off if you enter the code mental toughness at INeedSOS.com. This episode is brought to you by Some Sleep. Go to getsome.com. That's G E T S O M.com. We all deserve a better night's sleep. You drink one can 30 minutes before bed, and it's that simple. This awesome blend lets you not only fall asleep fast, but then wake up feeling absolutely refreshed, not hungover or foggy. You're going to absolutely love this product. And in fact, if you go to getsome.com, and enter in the promo code Dr. Rob Bell, D R R O B B E L L, you get 10% off. Guarantee you're gonna love this product. Go there right away. So, our guest today is the founder and CEO of Ninja Zone. She was a former Olympic level gymnastics coach, and now she's an entrepreneur who took her, quote, parents' cartwheel shop and turn it into an internationally loaned licensing and curriculum developed company. She has six indie area corporate stores. Uh, She is a mom and member of IBJ's 40 Under 40. Through the evolution of Ninja Zone, our guest has led a team to develop a system that is changing the lives of children daily. Now in over 300 locations across the world. Our guest today is Casey Wright. Casey, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I love your passion. I love your mission about Ninja Zone, and I look forward to hearing all about that. Tell us, what is mental toughness? I think mental toughness is being able to recognize what's going on inside of you, whatever energy you have that's that's being that's building up, and being able to tell it exactly where to go. I love that. So it's being aware then of your thoughts or feelings or can you elaborate? Yeah. Um, being aware of not only, uh, not only your thoughts, your feelings, your, your, uh, what's happening in your body. Um, but basically being able to tell yourself what to do and following your own directions. So, um, and in, in, and I think to be, the most tough you have to know what's driving 
those directions, mm -hmm. right? So if I'm telling myself what to do, I have to be able to be aware enough to understand where that's coming from. And if I can do that, then I can trust myself and follow my own follow my own directions. One of the things I like to tell the athletes I work with is we need to tell ourselves, stop listening to ourselves sometimes that negative voice will creep in and we just listen to it too much go ahead yeah so so and being aware of that you just give that voice a name mm. right so that so you know like I have a like an alter ego that will show up before I do events when I'm trying to like plug in my technology and I, I like I get stupid because I'm kind of just uneasy and I call her panicky penny and panicky she shows penny. up panicky penny she'll show up and I'm like oh there she is and so then you can tell her to step aside but yeah. that's that being aware I so guess if you can elaborate on that because I think a lot of people will hear that negative voice and then just try to ignore it but you actually recognize it you give her a name and then you kind of have the conversation with her y yeah or and, and bring in it it's time for so-and-so to step in, in front of the line. So I always um, have pictured all of my like emotions, like all my egos as, um, actually have you seen like on the new iPhone, the me emojis where you can, you, or the an emojis where yes. you can make yourself look, yeah. So I, I have this picture in my mind that I have like six of them. And it's these different people that show up in different situations in different places. And it's just who's, who gets the limelight right now, mm. right? So if Panicky Penny shows up and, I'm, and she's starting to show up a lot more, just by bringing awareness to what that is, then I can take the light and shine it on Casey because that's, that's the one that wants to see. And the Casey that pulls things through and shines in the moment and that sort of thing. So, yeah. So when it comes to the entrepreneur, what's what's the emoji there? Is that Casey? Yeah, I mean, anything that I'm doing from the heart, I, anything that is, you know, that I feel like I'm, I'm being my most authentic self, mm -hmm. like that's gonna be Casey. And but, yeah. So when Casey and Panicky Penny kind of have this conversation, does Casey tell Panicky Penny where to go? Yeah, so I, I think I've actually even used Panicky Penny as a trigger for Casey to step in mm. to an even higher self. So if I feel like I, I had a, a talk last night where I got up and spoke and man, right before I went on stage, I felt heart started beating real heavily. And then I'm like, oh, that's my cue to do my breathing and know that this opportunity is and know that I have an opportunity and know that it's like, man, that means I'm outside of my comfort zone. And if I'm outside of my comfort zone, there's opportunity for growth. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like you use it as a trigger to, Ooh, you get to, you get to make progress now. Like you haven't had this opportunity in a while. So what's, what's the alter ego when it comes to being a mom? Um, 
Oh, I would definitely say that that's, I've actually had to work on that a lot and kind of play into that space because I'll say, I will say that my, I'm an activator. One of my strengths is an activator and the patience that's required um, with my kids is something that didn't come natural and I've had to work really hard at it. So I will say that I, I stop and look at who do, what do they need in this moment? So it has nothing to do with Casey and her needs. It has everything to do with what are they needing in this moment and that ability to pause and respond and not react and um, just know that they need a non-stressful environment so that they can be clear and they can make the best decisions. Because I will, I, I've definitely made that mistake in the past. I have had to learn from that of, of adding fuel to the fire, both with coaching, with parent, with everything um, because of my nature and being able to to pause and say, what, what does the situation need? Not what do I need? Has, um, do the kids and being a mom, does that make you better in, in all areas of your life? Oh, for sure. Can you, can you talk about that? Like how, cause I always think that we learn more from our kids than they kind of learn from us. Cause we don't always know what they're learning from us, but we're aware of everything that they're teaching us, even our own character defects and flaws and strengths. What is it that, that your kids have taught you? Well, first of all, I think that we, I've learned that we're not here for them. They're here for us. Like they're literally, they, they, they are here for us. So, uh, well, it started out with my capabilities on sleep. <laughs> I mean, that was the first thing they taught me was like, man, when, like the muscle that I built just by having two young kids was incredible. It's like, man, if I can do this, I can do anything. Right. Um, that was the first thing. But I, I think since then, they are a mirror for what I know I need to change about myself. So if I'm seeing something in them that is not good, I can, I know that that energy has been instilled in that. And so they're missing, like I said before, they're missing something that they need. And so it comes back to me. And usually it's, if they're missing something that they need, it comes back to, I haven't been in the present moment enough with them or they're, you know, whatever it's been, it, it always comes back to now I need to set an intention to, to do that. And it's what's cool about it is just as soon as you recognize it, the change comes so fast. So it's not like something, I mean, it's a continuous work in progress, but you can see the progress in the kids in just the energy in the space that there's not a tension when you, your goals are different, I guess. That's rather wow, you really put that eloquently. That's a fantastic, it's just a fantastic awareness that you have. How, how does mental toughness play into your passion and ninja zone and being an entrepreneur? Well, I definitely think that uh, just the notion of self-responsibility, um, knowing that, I guess another definition for me of mental toughness is just like the ultimate self-responsibility. If you know that you can control your thoughts 
and you can change the lens on any situation, then you don't worry about the downside. Like there is no downside when you're grateful for everything that you have and you, you love the space that you're in, or you know that you can find a way to find the good in the space that you're in. There's, there's no fear of the downside because it's like, well, if the worst case scenario, I'm still going to, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be happy because I know how to make myself happy. Can you give an example? I mean, is this, is this just an exercise in gratitude? Um, an exercise in gratitude. Yes, that absolutely helps. And I think when I started, uh, really acknowledging what I was grateful for every morning and every night, that was a significant shift. Um, in my fear, my just the level of fear goes down. And if the fear is gone, you can act as your best self. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that I'm not going to make mistakes, but I would say that like, say I'm making a decision on whether, you know, buying a building or, you know, starting a new company or, you know, taking financial risk. When I have the, the the mindset that I can always create more and I can totally deal with less, then it allows me to take those risks. And so throughout my life, I've been able to capitalize on those risks and they haven't always, they haven't always gone well, um, but I've never regressed. And so it, it just seems to be building on itself. What is, What's like one of the biggest risks that, that you've taken? Easy questions. I know. No, honestly, I could probably only answer that looking back because in the moment, the big risks actually weren't the big risks because it felt so right. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Trust in your gut. Starting, I, I guess. The biggest risk by the outside world standards would be I bought my parents' business in 2005, 2006, but then I opened up my own in another location at the beginning of 2009 when the world, when like everybody on the planet was, it was, it was awful. The economy was awful. Um, I went to turn the lights on in the, in the space and IPL told me that I had to put down a $30,000 deposit because everybody was going out of business. So I couldn't even get the lights on. So thank goodness. I just ran it under the tax ID of the already established business lucked out there. But like, I didn't even second guess and probably a lot of it was just sheer ignorance. Like I was young and I, I wasn't, I wasn't scared because I knew how to do what I was going to do. So I just did it. And I think then that propelled me and gave me confidence to know that if I can make it in 2009 and be successful, then, you know, that happens again. I I got this. Um, One of the things that we always talk about is the hinge moment. So the, the one moment, one person, or one event that makes all the difference. And you said it, like we well, we can't connect the dots looking forward in life. Like we can only connect the dots looking backwards and seeing the impact. Can you share with us what, what's been a hinge moment in your life? It was actually, I mean, super simple. I moved downtown. I had a neighbor um, 
that was, um, well, two neighbors, a plastic surgeon and an orthopedic surgeon, and they became friends. And I didn't grow up in a like professionally educated family. My parents were gymnastics coaches and I thought they were the smartest people in the world. Like I didn't know any different, but I didn't see myself as like someone that like had friends that were doctors. Like I just, like, just wasn't who I was. And it was when uh, she um, told me after kind of getting to know me, she's like, man, you're an overachiever. And that was it. And I was like, wait, I am? Like, I'm good at stuff? Like, it, it was it was wild. Like, I never considered myself an overachiever. I never considered myself, I was just like doing what I thought I was supposed to do. But to have somebody of that stature just say you're an overachiever, it changed my identity. And yep. then I became that. And so what did, uh, what did that do? gave me the ultimate confidence. There's a, I mean, there's a quote that says, anyone who's given you confidence, you owe them a lot. And it was just like fuel in my tank. Like if this person thinks I'm great, then I'm great. And so just operating, just beginning to operate from, from that notion of I'm great. <laughs> that sounds so egotistical. I was sitting here on a podcast. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think there has to be that level of belief in order to do great things. Um, but that's uh, that's fascinating. Like, we have no idea the impact. And, and I wonder if that surgeon knows the impact of her words on you. Yeah, we're still friends. And, I, and I've told her several times because I've been asked this question before. And that's the one thing. I mean, there have been lots of hinge moments since then. And those that's what I'm addicted to. And it's why I keep going. I, I love just grabbing a new perspective on things. And uh, most recently, and I, I just have to share this because it made a big impact. Somebody said that there's only one point where you can create change and that's in the present moment. So if you're thinking in the future or you're thinking in the past, the, the only time you can make change any anywhere, anyhow, is in the exact moment that you're in. And I was just like, man. And it was, it was on like a, a, a health and wellness podcast. I was like, ew, yeah, it's not, I mean, yeah, make plans, make goals, make, you know, do all those things. But the only place that change is created is in the exact moment you're in. I thought that was great. That is fascinating. Tell us about your passion and with NinjaZone. Sure. Um, well, I definitely saw a need um, to serve just th this this sector of children that wasn't being served. So young mm -hmm. boys specifically is how we started, and. Um, I felt that they weren't getting all of the gifts that um, gymnastics, what, what I saw in my athletes as a coach, uh, they just, they weren't getting those gifts. And I saw that these girls, especially from a very young age, um, they are taken out of their comfort zone from literally from the time that they're two, like going upside down and, and then, and then, you know, even going up on a high balance beam at four or five, six years old, these kids actually build that muscle of being outside of their comfort zone and then performing individually without a team. 
And I, I was like, man, there's just not a lot of places where the, the boys are getting this. So um, it started there. It's it's since just fueled into so much more. I mean, it's, it's a total, um, it's just an, my passion is the whole experience of the program and wanting it to really be like, uh, like, like preschool or the, like elementary education for character and athletic development. So sports does so much, you know, and you think about school, it, but I, I just, I want so much for it to be a household name and and it just be the thing to do. You know, when the kids turn two or three, it's to, it, well, you, you do Ninja Zone because it prepares you for everything, both both physically and through coordination and movement and all of those things, but then prepares them with strong character and being in a situation where they learn to love to learn, learn that making mistakes is awesome, learn that doing hard stuff is awesome, like ninjas do hard stuff, and just creating that identity for them as like what a ninja is at a young age. And then when they go on to whatever sport, they've got the confidence. Their, their alter ego of being a ninja. Yeah, ninja time. And so, I mean, with, with youth sports today, I mean, there's so many, uh, I mean, there's a lot of pressure a lot of expectations and what happens is then a lot of athletes then specialize in one sport and you know from early age on and then by the time they're 13 or 14 they're they're burnt out because all they've done is swim or all they've done is play golf or play baseball you're changing that aren't you in terms of overall development i would love to i think um i think we have to stop and step back and say what are sports for <laughs> like, why right. did we do this? What are sports for? And we constantly have to go back to why am I doing this? Why do I sign my child up? And and it it's going to bring the parent a, a whole lot back to their own ego. Like, why do I need them to succeed? Why do I want this so much for them? And sports are wonderful, but it's it's when people lose this, the perspective of what are sports for. And when I see athletes that have done a single sport their whole life, even if they go through to college and then they become overweight and out of shape and like I call it the Al Bundy syndrome, right? Where they're like living in the glory days and it's like, no, like it should be a catalyst to prepare you for growth until you, it, it like I don't, I don't, I just don't think they should peak at nine, right? <laughs> right, right. I've heard it before where a parent approached me and said uh, it was a 12-year-old that, that she was at a crossroads in life. And it was like, wow, she's, she's 12 and we're at a crossroads? That's, boy, that's a lot of pressure. I love the Al, I love the Al Bundy <laughs> reference. I don't know how many people can get the married with children piece, but, but that's a good one. Is, um, when it comes to like performance, you know, can you talk about that and how that helps develop the athlete? Because I think a lot of times, like if you put a score on it, then the only thing we care about then is winning and losing. And, and that is a good part about sports, but it hinders development a lot. Can you talk about that? I'm, I'm not a doctor. I do have doctors on my staff, uh, but I truly believe it comes from the developmental ages. So that we're developing that uh, internal locus of control at a very, very young age to teach them that they look internally 
not externally, and to teach them that they create their environment and they create the, the boundaries and the parameters. And I think it also comes down to really understanding child development from a brain development perspective as they as they grow. So crossroads in life, um, that's called puberty and there are hormones, <laughs> like it happens <laughs> to every kid on the planet. And, you know, I saw it when I coached gymnastics, there's certain things that happen at certain ages and their priorities shift. And so I think that the best thing we can do is just pack in those fundamentals in those years where they are a sponge. And, and, and then also know that we're doing it so that they can follow their unique self, not our plan for them as well. Right. Can you talk about, you know, the creativity that Ninja Zone can help, you know, a lot of, um, you know, the participants and athletes with? Yeah. So one thing in developing the program, um, it's a fusion of gymnastics, martial arts, parkour and obstacle course training. So we took the um, the discipline from martial arts, the confidence and coordination from gymnastics, strength and agility from obstacle course racing, and then the creativity from parkour. I think a lot of sports um, have lost the discovery element, um, element of discovering and learning your own body without step-by-step -step plays or techniques totally. or a, a certain position requires this or that. And I think that there's benefit to both. So if you look at like skiing and snowboarding and surfing and those types of sports, those are skateboarding. Those are things that you really have to like learn on your own. They're not totally. coached. And then you have the traditional legacy sports that have because of the competition, we've gotten really good at, at coaching these specific lanes. And because Ninja Zone is a sports fitness fusion, we get to kind of play both pieces of that. We, we, we want the intermittent feedback from the coaching, right? But we need to give them that autonomy to be creative with their bodies because that's how they're going to gain the most confidence and the most coordination. And one thing that I saw at the end of my coaching career with my very high level gymnastics athletes is that we got so good at coaching to the rules that my kids were getting hurt because they didn't have the athleticism. They were driven towards the, the routine that best suit their body, best suited their body, their this, this, this. But when when the when something broke down, they couldn't fix it because they were on this path. And I saw these these, these kids couldn't play gymnastics. They they couldn't play because it was all about an at a level, an achievement, a next this, a next skill. And those are the kids that when they get to college, they're like, peace, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. And it happens all the time. And, and when you say when things break down, so when things go wrong? Like either fundamentally with a skill. So yeah. if, if something goes wrong with a skill or if they get hurt or sick or they can't put the pieces back together because we haven't taught them to just be like a cat. They don't have the air awareness. They don't have the body confidence. And you're talking like very high level athletes that can't simply understand what their body's gonna do. You know, it's such a righteous statement because 
I think if we look at young kids in any kind of sport, say baseball for instance, they will look like a Greek god in the batting cage. I mean, they really do. They look like a major leaguer because of the instruction, everything that you're mentioning, the step-by-step process, but they don't know how to run the bases. And they don't know, and that's the thing I think that frustrates so many even collegiate coaches is when things go wrong, they can't problem solve. They can't find a way. And that's what your sport helps with. I I absolutely believe that. I believe that, you know, we give them the coordination at a very, very young age to just understand their body and not only going into other sports, but just going into fitness as an adult, just giving them the body awareness that they know they're going to be able to go into a yoga class and understand how to lunge and understand what the teacher is saying. And I see, you know, there are people that don't pick up these things and don't pick up exercise because they they're, they're truly like, they don't feel their body or like rock climbing. Or we, we took a group um, that we hiked up uh, Camelback and you can see the people that just aren't comfortable with the way their body moves. Like how to fall, <laughs> you think about, you do anything, you do anything, ride a bike. Like I tripped and I use the story. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I'm out running. I trip over the curb and I just naturally drop and roll where somebody else is going to put their hand down and break their elbow or their, their, um, collarbone. And it's just, it's inherent like a cat, but you got to teach it really young. It's like, I mean, I, I feel as passionate about rolls and cartwheels as people do like knowing how to swim right. because I think there's actually more benefit in having that coordination. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think you and I both speak the same language and we know such the importance of sport and all the benefits that, that it can give. Um, you know, what else, what else can, I mean, I wish I had this when I was a kid, you know, because, you know, one of the things I think what we developed, and I don't know if I say my generation at all, but I know that we did is we played backyard sports and we policed ourselves if there was a foul we called it we didn't have parents saying hey this is right and this is wrong and and that's what helped develop that creativity but we policed ourselves like we developed the own rules is that the way is that the same thing and that's part of what i see with ninja zone well that's that's what i wanted to do was make my own rules like let's let's make a sport let's make our own rules because what i saw was boys didn't want to do gymnastics mm-hmm. They didn't want because of the identity or or whatever. And they don't want to be told what to do every five seconds. And it's like, man, if you can move your body and be creative with your body and we can give it a cool name, it's, it's a really hard shift for a lot of my gymnastics people that are trying to switch to ninja because all of the traditional technique is out the window. It's just, it's really about like them playing and making up a game when we made up ninja games it's it's a game it's we've got points for this and it's awesome yeah we developed a game in in our backyard you know we give them a stick and we're like here's go dig a hole it's kind of a joke but we we make them come up with games and develop hey come up with a game and we're all going to play it and but it's working that creativity muscle and all the benefits that sport can provide yeah I'll definitely say with the, you know, the rise of the competitive athletics, the the recreational athletics and just like those, those pickup sports. And it's just, 
it's hard because these kids like if if they're not if they haven't trained in that sport it's hard for them to jump in and do it to do it together and with like with their neighbors like if you know my stepson he's 12 it's hard for him to go out and just play football with the neighborhood boys if if he hasn't played for the last six years and it it doesn't it takes kind of the fun away and i think that's the uh, the other thing that we did with ninja zone that golf does really well is that it's collaborative and you have that handicap and you can enjoy the sport with your friends and still compete against yourself at your own level but enjoy it together and with a lot of team sports now it's just very tough because there's such an identity associated with what, at what level you play, you know, particularly put more on by the parents than the kids Absolutely. because they they actually don't they don't care what I mean can you can you talk can you talk about that what is the parental role and involvement with with ninja zone um it's it's pretty recreational. I mean, my goal is just to get the parents, um, to educate the parents on kind of a new way of thinking because it's not the way they were raised. And, um, I will say, uh, with our corporate locations here in Indiana, we're a little, little behind the ball as, as far as, um, progressively thinking that our licensees that are on the coasts are just, just blowing up like crazy because alternative sports have been a thing, you know, for quite some time. So I think it's really um, getting people to not be a sheep, not um, just follow along like, well, you know, Billy's six. It's time to sign him up for this. Like, let's like take a look at Billy and like let Billy try some different things. And, you know, if he enjoys this, why does he enjoy it? it and and it doesn't even have to be like, is he going to be successful? Like that's probably the first question parents ask is, is this his thing? Well, does he like it and is it good for him should proceed? <laughs> is he going to be able to get a college scholarship? It's just crazy to me. So for Ninja Zone, it's just getting the parents to understand how, how we see this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's it too. I mean, so much of youth sports is just driven by the external and what what's going to be the end result here of, of this participation. And, and in doing that, it perverts the overall development because it's not what everything that we can learn from sport, but just that sport is going to have a payback eventually. And, and it's a huge wake up call for parents when it doesn't pay back the way that they want it. Yeah. Yeah. That that's the truth. And as a coach, I remember trying to be so honest with my parents at a very like, like I remember the, the level fours would come in and I would say, if you have Olymp Olympic rings in your eyes, this is not the place for you. And they don't, they can't hear it. Even moving into the college age, it's, it's like they, I don't want people to think small by any means, but the expectation is just, it, it's just, it doesn't make sense. I mean, I try to tell them like, look, Michael Phelps is shaped like a frog. He, he literally looks like an amphibian from the womb. His hips are a third of the size of his shoulders. If you want your daughter to be an elite gymnast and she's six foot tall, it's just probably not. I mean, like, you can't put that pressure on them. <laughs> 
because it's not all, I mean, the talent can only, or the, I'm sorry, the work in some areas can only take you so far. It just, <laughs> you know, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because on one hand, you're, you're talking about, um, you know, it's still facilitating dreams. And that's what we do as coaches, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, you, you want to achieve your absolute best, but they're not realistic expectations. You know, I mean, I, and I always kind of say this for every Michael Phelps, which there's one. So, I mean, if you even go a level below that, there are 10,000 that you're never going to hear of. And they've sacrificed so much for something that doesn't pay off. Yeah. And, and I think it's deciding what the payoff truly is, because it doesn't mean that you don't spend the, it doesn't mean that you don't spend the time and build those muscles for life. So I I think it's keeping a close eye on what the payoff is, but also being realistic going into it. Like I, I look at again, Ninja Zone and I looked around and I said, man, the average height of an American male is five foot 10. What scholarship do you get at five foot 10? Their data just says that there's not that many, right? Like there's, if you take all the scholars, I mean, there's only so many sports, there's only, so if, if your outcome is the scholarship, is it, if it's being able to tell your friends, your buddies that my kid got a scholarship. And that was the, the other thing that I would hear from our parents. It's like, well, they got a scholarship. No, they, they gave you 1200 bucks to go right. six states away to some school you would have never even looked at so that you can tell your friends, your kids got a scholarship and you can feel better about spending all of that money. <laughs> like the outcome has to be, man, I'm, I, I spend X amount of dollars a month because this sport is great for my kids' well-being. And the outcome we're going for is that they appreciate the gifts from this sport and they take them into their life and their relationships and their job. Like, that's the outcome. Just like a school system. Yep. It's funny because there was an athlete too, this is a volleyball player. She got a letter of, uh, hey, we're interested. And the parents then hearing them talk about how she was now being recruited by this school. And, you know, that was just a standard letter that they send out to thousands of kids. But it's like as parents, our kids are our trophies, right? Like we want to polish them off and show them off. And, hey, look at Johnny. Like, uh, and then that, you know, we could talk for hours on that. And and they're not our trophies. We, they are unique beings that we brought we happen to bring into this world. They're not ours. We don't own them and they don't reflect. I mean, like my ego can't be reflected by my kids. I need to do the right thing for them when I have the opportunity, but that's, man, I mean, to take away what is unique to them and, and give it back to myself is I think is selfish. Yeah. What, what is the vision? Where's, uh, tell, tell us about the, the vision of Ninja Zone. Well, um, I, I spoke to it a little bit earlier, uh, becoming a household name, becoming that thing that kids do um, to, to prepare their bodies and minds for the future all over the world. So uh, we, one of our core values is we believe we can change the world and we just launched, um, well, we just have made an agreement with a group in China that plan to do many centers. And so we kind of feel like we've, 
you know, check that box in a way. We're probably in seven or eight countries now. Um, but just to continue to grow in participation, can, to continue to build the uh, the Ninja Games in in a way that does really change youth sports as it looks now. That that it is a true family fun event where everybody goes. Where you don't have the brothers of the, or the sisters of the brothers or the brothers of the sisters bored out of their minds on iPads, sitting on bleachers, like. I, I just see like almost like a concert, like an X Games for kids. We said it's like Mario, Super Mario Brothers meets the X Games. And, and of course we're not there yet, but our little X Games, our little, our little ninja games is pretty daggone fun. Lights and music and glow sticks and signs and, and it's short, <laughs> like in and out in 90 minutes. I, I, my last gymnastics meet, I, it was like 10 o'clock on a Sunday, and I was like, I just won't put my kids in anything that ends in the word meet or ends in the word meet because no. of the awards. Right, right. Uh, Casey, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I really got out a lot of this. And uh, where could people then follow you and, and learn more about you? Sure. So I'm on Instagram at Casey Wright NZ. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on Facebook. Lots of family stuff. Um, TheNinjaZone.com to learn all about Ninja Zone. And then I also have a podcast called The Sports Entrepreneur, which I will be um, will be publishing your episode, I think, in the next couple of weeks. Very nice. So, yeah, The Sports Entrepreneur. Uh, so any of those places. And I love to hear from people. So if this, if this catches somebody's ear and something made an impact, um, let me know because uh, my email, Casey at the ninjazone.com, because then, you know, it, it it gives me more purpose when it, you know, triggers something in somebody and I need to know those things. So Right. And we have no idea the impact of somebody just listening to that and then hearing, wow, you're an overachiever. Yeah. Go tell somebody <laughs> they're an overachiever. Change their life. Uh, thank you so much. We'll put those links in uh, in the podcast notes for sure. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Mental Toughness Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. You can also check us out on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell or visit our website at drrobbell.com.